Welcome back to the Educator's Room podcast, a place for educators everywhere, regardless of grade level or content area. Put down your grade books and grab a glass of wine and learn with our host, Francesca. Welcome everybody to episode 65 of the Educator's Room podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Warren, and today we have Sarah Force. Um, with us today talking about mobilizing around the gun debate for teachers. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It is 70 degrees in Atlanta. How? What's the temperature in Chicago? Oh, um, <laughs> not quite that warm. It's 35 degrees, which is, is warm for us, so I'll take it. Wow. Yeah, so we're in shorts down here, but that's another episode <laughs> of, the, um, of the weather in Atlanta. But one of the things that, and guys, you know, this week we had another podcast plan, but we felt like it was really important for us to have a conversation around gun debate. On the Educators Room, we've had a lot of people write articles about the students protesting. We've had teachers write articles um, against arming teachers. We've had teachers write articles for arming teachers. And so the point of this podcast today is for us to talk through um, the things that are happening and to give real solutions. Like how do teachers, how do we mobilize around this gun debate? Um, so last week, um, maybe even a week and a half ago, we know that 17 students um, and 17 teachers were killed at a high school in Florida. Um, and almost immediately, um, and Sarah, tell me if I'm wrong, almost immediately I felt this anger bubbling up, um, not only for teachers, but students. And I think, um, and it was an anger like I hadn't felt before. And I felt like something's about to happen after this. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it was like a anger. Like even on social media, you know, guys, I'm always on the Facebook group. Like people were inboxing us and people were saying stuff. And I mean, and it was just bubbling. And so I go on Facebook and I see a Facebook, Facebook, I can't talk, a Facebook group called Educators um, Against Gun Violence. And I was like, oh, let me join. And it was really, really good things around how do you mobilize? And it's not partisan. Um, it's bipartisan. And it's educators from both sides of the political spectrums talking about solutions. So, Sarah, after the shooting, what did you notice? Because you're pretty active on social media. Did you notice something ab about this one that made it different? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really was seeing a lot of, even more than anger from teachers, just really sadness and anxiety over this, like a lot of fear of people just saying they're afraid to go back to their classroom mm. um, and feeling really helpless. And that was what motivated me to start the Facebook group along with some other um, women in the teacher community um, with people saying they felt helpless and they felt like there was nothing they could do mm. um, because that's just not the case. And we really want to try to channel um, this fear or this anger, this anxiety into something productive. Absolutely. I like when you said, you know, I like, the, I like w when you say channel it into something positive because so many times as teachers, we've been programmed. Um, we've been taught that there's nothing you can do. You just have to sit back and you have to take it and somebody else will take care of the problem. And one of the things that we saw in the group was that teachers were saying, um, not only do I not feel safe, but today for the first time in my entire life, I contacted my representative. I reached out to this person. I said this. I said that. Um, and it was a lot of support in teachers doing that. So I have to ask you, do you think it's, it's a... Um, 
it's not, I don't even call it, it's not a conspiracy theory, but do you think it is a concerted effort to make teachers feel helpless in, in the face of things like this, because it's easier for them to, not them, for people to act like it didn't happen or to sweep it under the rug. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly there's people who don't want to hear from teachers on this and don't value our voices on this. Um, but we're the ones who are being impacted. Mm. Um, and I really think, and again, that's part of the reason I started the Facebook group, is that educators need to be on the front lines of this. This is something that's affecting us directly. Um, and we, we are a huge group in this country. Yes. Um, and I really think we can have an impact. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, and so as we talk about this and we talk about mobilizing teachers, what were some of the first responses? Because you started the group and people are posting things. What were some of the first responses from teachers getting into the group other than being scared? Cause everybody was scared, like oh, not only for themselves, but for their kids and for the kids that are in their classrooms. But what were some of the other responses that you saw that kind of made you say, wow, like I just, wow. Um, kind of like what you were saying before, people who have been contacting their reps for the first time, or this mm. is really the first time they're taking any political action. Um, and that's something that's really powerful to see people being, wow, I, I didn't know it was this easy to call my rep, or I didn't know it was this easy to write a letter. Um, and all these people coming in with support for them. Um, there's so many posts going on right now. I'm really trying to go in and comment and support people as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's, there's so much going on. And we've had members, um, a, a friend of mine uh, and a member of the group, Ali Sazinski, wrote a letter to the Chicago Tribune that was published today. Mm. Um, we've had stories picked up by the BBC. Mm. Um, there's just a, a, a lot happening. So even though, you know, the events going on are really disturbing, I feel really positive about this group and the impact we're going to have. Absolutely. So teachers are now, they're commenting, they're saying things, they're saying, hey, this is how they're organizing. And one yeah. of the things that I thought that I love that the teachers were finally saying, I have a voice. This is this is an acceptable. This is what we should do. But one of the things that really blew my mind was the power of the students. And I think it has blown people's minds in the group and that students, kids are now kids. are We are learning from kids what it means to be fearless and what it means to advocate for what you need to be safe. Um, and so talk us through, because there's some days of action coming up and for some people it's, you know, kids shouldn't leave class. School is for learning. How dare they think of this? And for other ones of us, we're saying, you know, yay, like let them do it. This is the, this is the point of education. So what do you think about the kids who are advocating in the adults, um, for the day of walkout and how does that help or hinder the conversation around gun control? I mean, hearing about this walkout, I feel so incredibly proud of these students, even though they're not my students. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's amazing. And the idea of a teacher being against that, uh, against students using their voice, um, <laughs> it's something I don't really understand personally. <laughs> like, we educate our students about the power of protest, the power of peaceful protest, when we teach about the civil rights movement. Um, and this is exactly what they're doing. They're having a peaceful protest. Um, you know, they're not, they're not walking out of school for weeks or months. Um, 
it's one day. I believe it's actually only going to be 17 minutes. Mm. Um, I think we can take 17 minutes out of our day um, for these students to be able to take uh, take part in this peaceful protest. Yes. It blows my mind when adults tell kids not to protest when wrong is happening. It like it blows my mind because that's the point of an education, right? To be able to say yes. this is wrong. Here's why it's wrong. And this is what we demand. And so I think and this is just me talking that I think a lot of times as teachers, we hold too fast to party lines instead of saying this is right. And it's right or wrong. Like, I think sometimes we say we hold too tight to, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I'm a member of this organization. And I believe this instead of saying, looking back and saying, is it right? Is it okay for an 18 year old to be able to go to a store, buy uh, an AR-15 and have that in their possession when they're not old enough to buy liquor? They're not old enough to like if they were a woman and they wanted to get an abortion, there would be steps they had to take. So I just it blows my mind. So have you noticed in the group or just the teachers that you're talking with that people are kind of crossing over party lines and saying what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong? Or do you still feel like we still have a whole group of teachers who are like, no, keep the Second Amendment rules, everything? Uh, as you're saying, I know you can't see me. As you're saying all that, I'm just like nodding my head over here. Um, <laughs> I, I do think we have people cro- crossing party lines here, and that's, it was really important for me to keep the group bipartisan, even yes. though personally, I mean, if, any, if anyone follows me on Instagram or Facebook, I'm very progressive, but I do think this is an issue that can unite teachers because this is about student and teacher safety. Mm. Um, it does not need to be about Republican or Democrat. It does not need to be about who you voted for previously. Yes. It does need to be about who you're going to vote for in the future. Right. Um, and certainly uh, we do have teachers in our Facebook group that are saying I'm Republican or I'm a responsible gun owner. We even have people who said they voted for Donald Trump. This is a this is a new one for me to be connecting and dialoguing with mm. teachers on the other side of the aisle. Yes. Um, but I think this is what we need to do. You can be a responsible gun owner Absolutely. and support gun control. Absolutely. You can have voted for Trump and still not want assault rifles out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I have to ask, what are in your mind... Because there have been a lot of critics, and none of these critics, um, I believe, understand what it means to teach. Um, And they've called for teachers to be armed. What are your initial thoughts in hearing that, and why? Well, my (laughs) initial thought is just like, um, like, this is insane, Yes. Um, to be honest. But I mean, I have been trying to take a step back and see where people are coming from. And I think many people are coming from a place of fear. Mm. Um, they're scared for their kids, they're scared for their students, they're scared for themselves, and they want to do whatever is necessary to protect kids. Um, I don't necessarily think that's where our politicians are coming from or where the NRA is coming from, but I do think there are are individuals who have good intentions in this. Um, But I I just kind of think the minute you start thinking about it, you realize how unreasonable it is. Mm. Um, I mean, we know that homes with guns, there's a much higher risk of homicide, suicide, accidental death. I don't see why it would be any different than a classroom. Mm. The risk is just so much higher than any potential benefit. Absolutely. And then if you think about, you know, just the liability of a teacher to have a gun 
God forbid if a kid gets a hold of it, God forbid, I mean, just anything can happen. Um, you know, we have kids who will misplace their teacher's keys, you know, or, or, and so I can't imagine what, what would happen if a gun was in a room. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just makes me feel panicky even thinking about it. I mean, I have the utmost respect for teachers, but we have so much on our minds Absolutely. all day long. I mean, half the time the laminator doesn't even get turned off. And we <laughs> want to have guns in our classrooms. Absolutely. Like, and I know I'm saying, oh, there'll be precautions in place, it'll be locked up. But, you know, people are supposed to take all those precautions at their home, too, and it doesn't happen. Absolutely. We still have accidental deaths all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Talk us through, because, you know, in my mind as a teacher, I have some solutions that I think will work, um, but this isn't about me. So talk us through, what do you think is the number one thing that if we had a magic wand that we would want immediately done so that we won't have 17 young people and teachers dead for absolutely no reason? I think we need semi-automatic and automatic uh, weapons banned. Um, you would not have this number of deaths if these assault rifles don't exist. And people keep telling me, I need to get all my, my gun names straight. I never thought I would need to know, like, right. what a different what the different guns mean. But I believe semi-automatic and automatic is the term um, for the, the AR-15 that's been used in a lot of these school shootings. Mm. And what do you say for those teachers, those people who say, I have a right as a citizen for the second amendment that I should be able to own whatever gun I want to own. I mean, the second amendment, and I know a lot of people have pointed this out, but it, it was not written at a time when semi-automatic or automatic weapons existed. I mean, I was just doing some research before I spoke to you and a semi-automatic uh, rifle can fire 180 rounds per minute. Oh, Jesus. The, the second amendment was not, written with that in mind. I mean, I have my own views about gun ownership in general, but I don't even think that needs to enter into this conversation. Mm. I, I have not heard a, a, a single argument about why owning a, an automatic or a semi-automatic rifle is more important than our children's lives. Mm. And so... Um, as we talk about this, because the Second Amendment was written at a time when a lot of things that we have today are not, we're not around, right? And so when you talk about people are like, oh, my Second Amendment, put it in perspective of when it was written. Um, exactly. And a lot of people don't do that. And they just say Second Amendment means I can have whatever gun you want. And we're not saying that you can't own a gun, but what possible reason would you need an AR-15? For what exactly. possible reason? There's, I, I, don't, I, I don't know of one. Do you know of one? Uh, no. The only thing I've seen people say on, on online, at least, I, I don't know anyone personally who advocates for that is, well, I own one and it's really fun to shoot. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I'm sorry if I, if I don't think that is as valuable as my student's life. Right. I just don't. I, right. think you, I think you can give that up for a safer society. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So you say the immediate ban, what's next? What's after that? Because once you ban it, um, people are going to say, well, that's not going to stop people from shooting people. So what do you say immediately after that to stop school shootings? I mean, I think to some extent it, it will stop people from getting a hold of these weapons. I mean, this most mm -hmm. recent shooter bought that, uh, bought that gun legally. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that can automatically have an impact. 
Um, I think there's definitely other things we can do um, in terms of, like, even for not um, these automatic and semi-automatic guns, just for any gun, um, having universal background check, um, putting more restrictions. I don't think you should be able to be 18 years old and get a gun. You can't even rent a car at 18. You can't drink at 18. Um, So I think we increase the age of kind of maybe the next step. Um, And let me ask you this, because I had this discussion on Facebook the other day and I said, you know, as a woman, and I always come back to this because this is something people can um, not so much understand, but they know what what we're talking about. And I said, you know, as a woman, if God forbid you want to get an abortion, you have to go, Uh you have to get an ultrasound, you have to do all of these steps, right? Most places, depending on the state, you can't even go in that day and say, I want an abortion and get it that same day. There's a waiting period. So I always. Right, and there's maybe only one place in the state you can get it or not at all. You have to drive to another state. Absolutely. You might have to drive 200 miles just to get an abortion, right? And so one of the questions that I always ask is why is it easier for someone to buy a gun than it is for a woman to get an abortion? And Absolutely. (laughs) Go ahead. I don't understand why, you know, responsible gun owners are fighting us on this. If you're a responsible gun owner yourself, you know the power of a gun. You know what it can do. And I think you should be advocating not to get your gun taken away, but to put these restrictions in place, to put a test in place, to make it more difficult to get one. Um, and then if you are able to pass those tests, pass that screening, fine. Right. Right, right. I think for a lot of people, it just sounds good. And I'm just saying that I think it sounds good. My brother is an avid gun owner. He's avid. He is actually a member of the NRA. Um, Wow. He is. He's an actual member of the NRA. (laughs) I know. And we've always teased him about this. But one of the things that he has always done, I can respect him for it, is that he does not base his life. He does not base his, his beliefs on I have a gun, so I should be able to do what I want. His thing is you have to be responsible. And he says at, you know, 45, I have no reason for an AR-15. I have my my semi-automatic guns. He said, but there's no reason for me to have an AR-15, and I'm a responsible gun owner, so I make sure my guns are locked up. My kids cannot use them. Like, he's very strict. So I, I wonder that a lot of the people who are saying, you know, my Second Amendment, I like how it shoots, et cetera, et cetera, I think that it is just it is just um i think it's just them leaning back that's all they have because they know it doesn't make any sense they know it doesn't make any sense or do you feel like they're just or do you feel like they're so far gone i mean i'm trying to get away from the mentality oh you know they're they're so far gone there's nothing we can do and that is why my hope is kind of in teachers even Mm. though and educators in general even though we have people who are on both sides of the aisle I'm really hoping because they're in these classrooms, they feel this fear, they care for their students, that they're able to put that kind of party line aside and realize that their their students are more important. Um, And so that's what I'm personally trying to focus on. Um, I think people who are not in the classroom just don't fully understand Mm. um, that fear that you have about your students being killed. Mm. 
Yeah. You going to work and being killed just because you want to teach kids. And I think it's true. I always say this, like teachers were some of the most educated professionals that if teachers can, if we can get ourselves. And when I say together, meaning that we vote according to who has the best interests of our profession and our students and us as professionals, we will get better as a society. Um, because every teacher, no matter the political party, they love their students. And they have a genuine, or you can't survive in the classroom. And so my hope is, is that teachers will lead the way and show the way of how to be united and get things done. Um, but on the flip side of that, is that I've seen is that whenever we post an article about gun control, there are people who are ev- who in their profile pic say, I'm a teacher. And they will say things that blows our mind. Like we had a teacher last week that equated that kids are going to die anyway. Like kids get killed other ways, right? Car accidents. That why do away with with automatic guns because they get killed anyway. And I was floored. And I was like, what? Like I, I, I literally just banned the person because I just don't like that. I don't even know. There's not a comeback to that. I don't know what to say for that. And so I think they're they're still, we're still going to have those people who kind of think like that. But is is there a way to bring them into the fold of, for those people who think like that? Because that's extreme, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't know what to say to someone, a teacher who other or otherwise, who, who thinks we shouldn't bother doing anything to keep our, our students from getting killed. I mean, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's pretty low yeah. to just say I, I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was... I mean, I think something else is going on there because I, I don't... I don't understand that statement. Right, and we, yeah, we were floored for about 10 minutes, and we were like, you know what? We don't have to, no one has to see this. Like, this this doesn't have to be, this isn't good. And so we just deleted it. Which brings me to my next point. You've talked about the ban of weapons, um, of certain weapons. You've talked about the um, teachers uniting for the front. What about the need for mental health experts in schools? I think people who are not in the classroom don't understand the mental difficulties our students are coming in with. So what do you think about that? Yeah, so it, it's it's a good question. I'm a little hesitant um, to. I'm sorry. Can you hear that beeping? No, oh, I, I have know. another cock. Oh no, you don't hear a beeping. Okay, oh, no, no. I'll just ignore that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm a little hesitant to equate mental health with mm. the, with um, these school shootings because I see sometimes people saying, "Oh no, it has nothing to do with guns. It's all about mental health." Right. Um, when I see, like, with this hashtag arm me with, which I know you've had articles about up on your, your site, um, people saying arm me with mental health services, I don't think people are trying to say, you know, if we had better mental health services that these shootings wouldn't happen. Right. Um, but, but we do need more mental We do need more mental health services. And part of that is to deal with the trauma that students are already facing. Yes. Um, and as someone that's taught in only Title I schools, that's something I've tried to talk about. We have students that already have experienced this, this violence, have already experienced um, tra- trauma from shootings, and how do we help them? Instead of introducing more guns into their environment, how about we get those, those counselors, those social workers, those psychologists full-time in the schools to help them? Mm. 
Yeah, and I like how you said, because that's usually what happens. A shooting happens, and people say, oh, it's mental health, and it's it ends the issue. Oh, it's mental health. And a lot of times, and, and I agree that all, that, I don't believe that's the ultimate cause. I don't believe that's, I know plenty of people who um, suffer from mental illness, and they're not shooting up schools. And so, right. I, I agree in that. I don't think it will solve the problem, but it's a it's a product of it's a result. We need these things because of the trauma the kids already have. Yes. Okay. And maybe it could ultimately keep someone from being so isolated that they wanted to inflict harm on themselves or others. But I don't think it's kind of a, a direct correlation like that. Right. I mean, if people want to give us more mental health services because of this, like, great. We'll take them. Right. We'll take them. <laughs> We've been asking. <laughs> For this forever. Right. Um, it's like, you think this is an issue? Awesome. Please give us the services that we need. Absolutely. But don't think that providing these services is going to keep one person from getting, um, you know, a, an automatic or a semi-automatic gun. Unfortunately, Absolutely. there are always going to be people who want to hurt other people. So let's kind of work on multiple fronts, keep them from getting those weapons, and at the same time also provide better mental health services. Yes, absolutely. 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 So it brings me to the next point. What are your hopes in the next in the next five years or the next year? Let's do a year or even three months. What do you hope to have seen from this movement, from teachers and students, from Facebook groups like yours and other entities? What do you hope to see? Oh, that's a good question. I am hoping um, to see teachers becoming more empowered. Um, I'm hoping them to see them using their voices to make calls, to write letters. Um, I'm hoping to see teachers take part um, in the March 24th um, March for Our Lives that's taking place in uh, cities around the country. Yes. Um, I'm hoping we're able to raise money for gun reform groups. And through that, um, I don't know if we're going to be able to get these laws passed, you know, in the next three right. months. I think it's going to be... A- a long game here, but I think hopefully we can shift the conversation and um, and then hopefully in 2018 vote people out that are voting purely based on getting their NRA money. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that that's, that's good that you said that because it's not going to be three months and laws are going to be changed. And the fight is the, the literal, the physical and the, and the literal fight is just starting. Um, yeah. And so we see young people last night at the town hall meeting having asking these direct questions to politicians and demanding things. We have to keep the momentum up um, and, the mo- and the momentum stays up by us keeping it in the forefront, because we know in three months, another big story can come out and everybody can forget about this and it can just be like, oh, it happened and go from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and that's part of what we're trying to do in our Educators Against Gun Violence Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Originally, we were like, let's put out a different action every day. And then just talking to the other admins, we decided to do um, one kind of big action a week because we would rather see people do one really solid action a week than to burn themselves out, um, Mm. you know, from a couple days of of frantic action. Um, Because as teachers, there's so much else going on um, it's really easy to not take care of yourself and just get burnt out and then forget about this because you have to in order to keep going. Absolutely. 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 So which brings me to our next question. You know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations about solutions. 
we've had a lot of conversations about um, about what we want to see next. But now I want to talk about because when Newtown, when Sandy Hook happened, um, I was devastated, and I was devastated because here are our babies, here are our first graders killed, murdered in school, right? And it was almost immediately, you know, everybody was sad, but a month later, people had forgotten. And not so much forgotten, but it just wasn't front and center news. And so um, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter and they said, you know, I stopped having gun debates when it was okay to kill first graders. And I said, you know what? That's, that's deep. He said, you know, it, the, the, the NRA, the people who, who want this um, blanketed acceptance of all guns, you know, they have systematically said that it's okay for first graders to be killed. It's mental health, and we'll just move on from it. And so now when I think about these 17 people who have been murdered, I want to talk about what do we do as teachers, as school communities, to help people not be fearful of their class because we won't get automatic web, um, AR-15s get banned by the time they start back school, right? But what do we do to help them to even be able to physically, like their survivors, the families, what do we do to get them, how do they even feel comfortable going back into a school? How do we, like the, for the Sandy Hook parents, I feel like they're living a nightmare all over again. Um, so yeah, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, it's really, like, just devastating to even think about. And I, um, you know, I remember, too, it was Sandy Hook thinking, if this doesn't change something, these five-year-olds being murdered, like, what is what is going to change it? Um, but I think we have another opportunity now to try. Um, but in response to your, to your question, I mean, I think that community in particular is really going to need trauma services. I mean, I was just thinking about that. I think that high school had maybe 3,000 students or something, and every single one of those students and teachers is, is going to be um, dealing with that trauma. Right. Um, and even, I feel like in our Facebook group, I'm seeing some sort of secondhand trauma. These teachers who really are having this fear and anxiety just going into their classroom. I mean, one thing I'm really urging teachers in our group to do is make sure that you are practicing self-care. Right. Um, even as you're teaching and even as you're advocating, taking time for yourself, um, you know, if you need to be in therapy, do it. Or if you can just uh, talk to a family member and that helps, do that. Um, make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're um, just making time for things that make you happy. Because if you're all fear and anxiety all of the time, um, you're not going to be able to keep going into your classroom every day and teaching. Mm, that's that's so true. And self-care is so important. Do you recommend, because, you know, I'm a news junkie. I'll sit and watch the news all day. I just, I, I, I like to listen to the news. Um, do you recommend for teachers who are having that trauma? Because a part of, some people say, you know, turn off the news. Don't watch it. Don't, don't do et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what do you recommend for those teachers so they can stay informed, but they can also practice that self-care that's so necessary? I think you can stay informed and still limit um, your intake. Like, I know definitely, and I can find myself doing this, where you're on Facebook, you have a million tabs open, you're having all these conversations, you're reading all these articles, right. um, and you don't need to spend 
two or three hours doing that. You know, you can say, you know what, I'm going to take tonight off. Um, I am going to, you know, check quickly in the morning. I'm going to check the New York Times or I'm going to check one news source that can get me the information that I need um, without overwhelming me. Right, right, right. And I think that's really... I mean, I had to do that. I had to do that after the election um, because, I I mean, I was just getting so depressed hearing the news. And I, you know, I... I mean, it's a privilege to be able to do that, but I also think you have to think of the work that you're doing and how you're going to maintain and not burn out. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really, really good point. Um, I want to change the conversation a little bit. Let's talk about school leaders. I'm a principal. Um, I'm not saying I am, but let's say I'm a principal. And <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm a principal and... I have a, a school of a thousand kids. What can I do immediately to make sure my kids and my teachers and myself that we're all safe um, from this thing happening in my building? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know a ton about like physical safety measures. That is something I've been seeing people post a lot in terms of like barricades. And I think wow. there's certain locks that you can um, put on your door. I mean, it's so depressing that that's kind of what we're faced with. Um, but I do think that principals have an obligation to look into that and implement anything that they can, um, to keep, to keep their students safe. Right. Because, you know, as if I was a principal right now, I would be investing in, like you just said, like some locks, I'd be sending things home to my parents. I would be telling my teachers, I mean, honestly, and you hate to do this, all doors locked, your doors are locked and you hate to do that because it's a school. You should be able to go into a classroom, but I don't. I wouldn't want that on my conscious that my building is wide open and something happens. So. No, I know, and I honestly, I do have mixed feelings about that because yeah. they said teaching in um, Title One schools and in, in, right. in different areas of the city in Chicago, it sometimes already feels kind of prisonish, over militarized. Yes, um, yes. You know, kind of feels like you're on lockdown all the time, and I don't think that's a nice school environment either and I don't want our students to be living in fear Um, you know those things I'm not a principal it's not my call to make but that's the kind of thing I'd also be keeping in mind how can we put these you know are these protections going to be making our students feel safer or are they going to make them feel like they're on permanent lockdown right it's just I mean it's really a lose-lose situation until we have in my belief until we have some real conversations around not only gun reform but just around safety for our students, I th- we're going to be feeling like we're in a prison state, which, of course, like you said, if you teach in an urban school and which I taught in my entire career, like you already feel like they don't get a chance to do anything. And things are so walk this way, wear this, do this, do this. So I just yeah, it's right. It, it's a sticky situation. It's just a sticky situation. And it is, I mean, it's kind of off topic, I guess, but it's just interesting to see other communities feeling that way when right. we felt this they maybe way have not experienced time. that in the past. Like schools that I taught at, it was, well, we can't take kids on, you know, we can't take them for the field day uh, three blocks down to where there's a lot there because we're afraid they might get shot. Um, you know, that fear is, is already there, and we already have some of those restrictions in place. Yes, yes, yes. And I, you know, and and that's so true because, 
you know, people are saying it now, oh, my school feels like a prison in certain urban schools. Kids are made to feel like they're in prison all day. They can't do anything. And so you're now feeling what we have felt and what kids have felt. So go ahead. I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I'm just, that's part of the reason I'm also so hesitant to introduce guns into a classroom is for these students that are already kind of in this prison-like atmosphere, and now your teacher has a gun? Absolutely. I mean, of course, the the idea would never be for you to use that against a student, Um, but in kind of the the racially charged atmosphere of some of these schools, just, just the idea of this teacher already in an authority position and then carrying deadly force, I mean, it just makes me, like, physically shudder. Yeah, and absolutely, especially when you think about the young lady who was manhandled by a cop for having a um, cell phone. When you think about Philando, um, he was a licensed gun owner and he was still murdered in front of his child and his girlfriend. Like, these are things like we have to talk about because teachers having guns will compound the already issues that we know are occurring in schools to students and students of color especially. Yes, I completely agree. We already see the students of color, you know, having increased uh, suspension rates and all that sort of those discipline measures. So, I mean, I think if you introduce guns, you're instantly going to see these statistics of, well, this many more kids of color were, threat- were threatened with a gun um, or, you know, felt intimidated because, you know, a teacher was holding it in their hand. Yes, um, yes, yes. To me, that's just instantly where my mind goes, and I'm like, oh, my, like, how are we even considering this? Yes. Um, but people are. I mean, our, I hate to say it, our president is suggesting it. So yes. we're, we're, we have to think about it. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. So in, um, in ending, tell us, tell everybody where they can find you on, um, on social media and give them the, how they can join the group um, for Educators Against Gun Violence. Okay, well, my name is Sarah Forrest, and um, on social media, I go by The Designer Teacher, so that's my handle on Instagram and on Facebook, um, and then our Facebook group is called Educators Against Gun Violence, um, so just search that, and it'll come up. Um, it is a closed group, so you'll just need to answer two questions. It's just, are you an educator, um, and are you ready to take action um, against gun violence, because we want to keep it educated, folks, educate, educator-focused and action-oriented. Um, so again, it's just called Educators Against Gun Violence and request to join and answer those two questions. Mm. And so guys, if you don't do anything else for today, sign up for this group, be a part of it, be about some action. We have to literally band together to get things done. Um, join us next week for episode 66. Thank you for joining us. Um, as always, leave a comment and leave a recommendation for our podcast and we'll see you guys next week.